language itself isn't, I mean, of course it's impressive to learn another language, but once you couple that with something specific or something, I guess, interesting, then suddenly you're, I don't want to say like you're a useful person because you're always a useful person <laughs> and everybody out there is wonderful and useful and, and has their place somewhere. But if you can, if you can get that, that specific skill or that like just anything that makes you unique, stand out and kind of you can become one of the best at, even if it's not a very common thing, like if you can do that, then suddenly you're in much higher demand, at least in that specific field. Everybody. Today we talked to Paula Curtis of Shimpai Deshyo. Mm-hmm. What does she do? She does a website and makes it too. <laughs> she does website makes it too. Um, it's and it's wonderful. The topic is what to do. No one can make a website yeah. these days. <laughs> oh, no, not with Wix or Squarespace <laughs> or the thing she used, which is WordPress or WordPress. Yep. Um, or GeoCities. Uh, her website is all about what to do with a BA in Japanese studies. Uh, Bachelor in Arts. Bachelor of, of Arts. Nope. In Arts of Arts. Yeah, because you might have either you're in a, maybe you're in a program right now where you're getting a BA in Japanese studies. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you graduated from college with a BA in Japanese studies and you don't know what to do. And I would understand that. I get it. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not the greatest major in the world. Don't know why you did it. <laughs> Even I'm here saying you might have made a mistake, but we uh, we go through with her and she's she's uh, really into helping people who are in that situation to find jobs or to find more education mm-hmm. and to, to see that there are a lot of opportunities out there uh, yeah. for people like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we found out about things like what you can do with a BA in Japanese studies and then perhaps even a master's in Japanese studies, what to do with that or a phd in japanese studies Mm -hmm. or even like another one there's some other things you can do to pair with your japanese studies what Mm -hmm. are those things think about them she'll tell you 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 know what my recommendation is for people who are in this situation what's that just go start a tofugu it works out really well yeah just go start it works every single time yep just start tofugu.co oh i don't know if we own that but i don't care take it whatever i dare you um, <laughs> Rue. Yeah, but if you don't want to start a tofugu, then you might want to listen to this podcast, see what you can do instead. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Tofugu Podcast. My name is Michael. Hey, everyone. I'm Koichi. And today we're talking to Paula from a website called Shimpai Desho. And it has a really cool question that we're going to get to in a second. But first, hi, Paula. How are you? <laughs> hi, Michael. I'm good. Good. Um, could you tell everyone about yourself and who you are so they can get to know the real you? The real me. Very <laughs> exciting. Uh, my name is Paula Curtis, and I am a doctoral candidate in history at the University of Michigan studying uh, late medieval Japan. And I am also the creator and the editor of the blog, What Can I Do with a BA in Japanese Studies, more affectionately known as Shimpai Desho. That does sound like a Shimpai. <laughs> yeah. That many, many bachelor in arts. It seemed appropriate have, at the yeah. time. Yeah. Especially with a, a degree in Japanese studies. Mm-hmm. So, so when you came to make the site, were you 
full of shimpai and shimpai suru? <laughs> I, I was definitely full of shimpai. Uh, I actually, uh, actually, this summer, uh, at the end of July, Shimpai to Show will be turning seven years old, which is kind of uh, mind boggling to oh. me. Mm-hmm. But it uh, initially, I had a false start on it immediately after I graduated from Gettysburg College and had just gotten my BA in Japanese studies. And I thought at the time, well, yeah, now is the time to answer this question for, for me and for all these other people, you know, because the number one question you get asked when you're doing Japanese studies or an area studies uh, degree is, you know, what are you going to do with that? And everyone seems really kind of put off by the prospect mm-hmm. of you not having prospects. Or like, so which, I thought, which master's yeah, program are you going to go into? Or I'm which, sorry? <laughs> or they just ask you, which master's program are you applying for next? Yeah, or, I don't uh... think anyone actually asked me about going on to graduate school yeah. at that point. I just kept getting the elbow nudge of, well, you're going to, you know, go into business or politics with those skills, right? <laughs> I got the business one, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like that's step two to what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> was... I realized, yeah, that at that point, I didn't actually know anything. I was just <laughs> fresh out of the BA. And so I decided to kind of put the project on hold for a while. Okay, so was the original focus supposed to be more like, okay, these are my adventures of trying to figure out things after I got my BA in Japanese studies? Or was it more like, okay, I'm going to try to help other people figure it out too? Yeah, I think it was definitely the latter. I never really thought about making it a personal blog. And even now when I talk about the blog and when people ask me about it or I respond to emails, I usually use kind of the royal we, Mm -hmm. uh, even though I produce the majority of the content myself. And it was partly, you know, me saying, well, I didn't know what I was doing when I wanted to study abroad, and I didn't know what I wanted to do after I graduated. And at the time, which, I mean, it's almost 15 years ago since I started doing Japanese studies, there wasn't really much on the internet at the time to uh, look to for advice on, you know, where do I go from here? And not to say that I didn't have fantastic mentors. I definitely did. But only, you know, one person can only tell you so much about hugely diverse field of options for someone who does Japanese. And so I thought, well, yeah, shouldn't there be just like one place that has all of this and that people can upload these uh, ideas and experiences to? And that was sort of the the seed that got me thinking about how to how to grow this site into something larger and to help a lot more people than just, you know, me. What do I know? What does everyone else know? You know, and how can they make that accessible was the question that I had. So I, I don't want to skip to the, the end, but the, the answer isn't to start a blog about getting a job after your BA, right? <laughs> well, there, you have another answer, I hope, right? There's lots of different paths, right? And I think that what people have brought to the blog as, as guest writers for me uh, and uh, me even just trying to share resources for job sites and things like that from, from BA to PhD, there's a lot of things that you can do. And it's not necessarily immediately obvious what that is. I guess so. So what what is the is there is there a general answer that you have for if someone emailed you and they're like, what I, I just got a BA in Japanese. What do I what do I do? What is your answer? Do you to have them? like an elevator pitch for that? For that an, an elevator answer, I guess. Yeah. Strangely, I don't think I have ever gotten that email. <laughs> what? Really? Okay, I'll send you yeah, that right I, after. <laughs> we'll send you I, all the we're emails. We're still figuring we, it out. Yeah. Do you guys get all of those emails? I think we do. Yeah, we do. We're gonna forward them to you from now on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would. I would say that maybe the top two emails that I get to the blog are 
what do you think about my qualifications for going on to graduate school? And is that a good idea for me, either at the MA or the PhD level? And people who have questions about the Inter-University Center for Japanese Language Studies, the IUC, because that's one of the sort of premier destinations for people who are either going into academia to do advanced research or are going into a kind of more intensive business or company setting who want to really polish their Japanese to a level that most study abroad programs wouldn't allow them. Can you talk a little bit more on what that program is? Because I'm not familiar with it, and I imagine our readers are not either. Our listeners, sorry. They listen to this. <laughs> we have readers, too. Hopefully they're also listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, as I said, it's, you know, the sort of, I, I usually describe it to people as a finishing school for, for Japanese language. And they, they take people uh, usually at, I guess, third or fourth year level and above. And they have sort of different split and mixed levels of Japanese language training, some for people who want to do more academic style seminars and others who want to take uh, electives like business Japanese and things like that. Typically, the IUC uh, accepts about 60, 50 to 60 students a year. And by student, I mean anyone of any age. I mean, I went to the IUC with people who were in their 50s and who had worked in Japan for many, many years, but really wanted to do much more with uh, their language skills. And I went with people who, like me, uh, were either MA students or PhD students in their early years who really wanted to be able to do complex things in academic fields. And so this is sort of the place that many institutions and companies will send students of theirs or employees of theirs to kind of really amp up what they can do with the language. And it's also, um, it's sponsored by uh, a variety of universities. I think a collective of maybe eight to 10 of them. Interesting. Hmm. It's located in Yokohama. So it's very conveniently located in a really beautiful uh, area. Um, I I wonder like what would your, uh, your answer be for someone who asks you about going into Japanese studies in the first place. So maybe not someone who has gotten gone through the degree and gotten the bachelor's, but they're like, you know, the very young and fresh children who are <laughs> yep. like, I want to study a Japanese studies. And what, what would you say to them? The, the 13-year-old who wants to be a mangaka. Yeah, who is all of our readers. <laughs> it's all of our readers. That is, that is a lot of people. And right? I think it would be a combination of things. I, I would definitely say the most important thing you can do is to master the language because that's really where the, the base skill set you know, begins for everyone. And that's why I try not to make Shinpai to show sort of overly academic track, although it, it runs into that problem a lot because I don't have as many guest posters uh, from other walks of life, as many as I would like, that can give more diverse perspectives. But the second thing would be to sort of be realistic and do your research. You know, what is it going to take for me to get from, from step you know, A to step C? And that's something that a lot of people, I mean, that's the advice for for people of all different career paths, right? That they have to know, what do I need to do and what do I need to master to get to the profession that I want? It would be nice if some of our readers who email us would actually do their research before emailing us. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a good step. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of you want us to do everything for them. We're like, well, you have to... You have to research yourself. Yeah, you have yeah. A, everyone has a different situation and mm-hmm. and a goal. Right, so. I mean, that, yeah. What is isn't that the uh, the jet theme that everyone's situation is different? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I was, <laughs> but it, it? <laughs> it applies for all walks of life and for career paths. But mm-hmm. in all cases, I think that people have obviously the, the glamorized idea of, of what you know you're going to do with your your love of Japan. 
Mm -hmm. And in reality, there's a lot of professions that you definitely wouldn't expect to head into that you can. And I think this is like translation for ex is a good example of this, right? Everyone wants to be a manga translator or a video game translator. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, all of the money is in technical translation, which mm -hmm. maybe isn't sexy. But I think we had a couple of articles by people who did technical translation. They said, you know, this is all companies need this. And, and it's, it can be difficult to sort of break into it at first, and maybe it's not, you know, the most glamorous and exciting thing to you, but that's where you can really make bank in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. uh, but people don't think of that when they think, of, you know, oh, I want to be a translator. Yeah. A lot and of then the if, translators we interviewed did just that. Right, do just yeah. that, and they're, like, fighting over the scraps of the manga translation that's available, and then they're yeah, yeah. translating technical docs on, like, transmission fluid and mm -hmm. for Toyota <laughs> or something. Yeah. But, but you say, like, once you break in, then are you kind of one of the few that can do technical translation? And then you're like, oh, I got this whole big landscape all to myself. I mean, it really depends. I couldn't personally speak to that. But, I mean, it helps you build up a larger portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. And I think also that the, the landscape of options for uh, translation is also changing a lot with technology. I mean, one person who is planning on, on writing for us in the future is actually in app development right now. And she's helping work on localization and, uh, you know, translation for different languages for the app. And that's where she's able to apply her Japanese skills. So I wonder what, what uh, drew you to Japanese studies in the first place? Like way, way back before the bachelors, before you were <laughs> full of shimpai. <laughs> before I was full of shimpai. Uh, <laughs> it was actually art. Uh, hmm. I was taking an AP world history class when I was in high school and Japan out of this, you know, 300 something page textbook was maybe two pages in the Asia chapter dedicated to Japan. And uh, most of that of course was World War II because yeah, World War II. Mm -hmm. And like one paragraph was about the unifiers in the late medieval period and it was talking about castle building and monumental architecture and art and the Kano school, you know, creating these gold foil, massive paintings for, for people like Nobunaga. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. I, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll think about Japanese for a language because I'm tired of Spanish and I'm tired of Latin. And I knew I was interested in a small liberal arts college. So I went in thinking I would be an art history major or an English major. And I was just taking Japanese, but I very quickly uh, went down the rabbit hole and became a Japanese studies major. I will say that probably being a Japanese studies major is probably easier than being a Latin studies major. So <laughs> at least you got that. Yeah. <laughs> that <part right. laughs> the language is still alive. Yes. For one thing. It's still alive. Well, to be fair, I am studying medieval Japan, so the language is still oh. dead. Oh, yeah. okay. But <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> not that Latin's not cool. but Hey, Latin is cool. Let's not just the global <laughs> evil. Does that mean you're studying like Kobun or is that or something else for? Uh, for medieval Japanese documents for Komonjo uh, and Niki for diaries and, and old documents, mm -hmm. you have to know Bungo, so you have to know classical Japanese, and you also have to know uh, Hentai Kanbun. Okay. So yeah. I usually describe uh, what medieval Japanese looks like if you're not doing literature um, as if a medieval Japanese scholar who typically writes in classical Chinese was drunk and wrote something that looks kind of like classical Chinese but isn't classical Chinese and is spoken kind of like uh, classical Japanese but is not written like classical Japanese, it's a, a very complex and needlessly confusing way of writing. So you said you, you get to read people's Nikki or like journals or diaries, I guess. Is, 
I, I, I'm really curious. What are people writing about? And, and <laughs> whose who's diaries are you reading? Uh, they're writing about getting drunk and having nice. poetry. That sounds awesome. <laughs> that does sound pretty cool. Oh, in, in between the warfare, one of the diaries I'm working on right now is uh, uh, about uh, from a courtier in late medieval Kyoto who is writing a lot about the conflicts that are happening in his neighborhood uh, after the Onin War uh, and the, the sort of the aftermath of the Onin War in the 16th century, uh, a little bit after that, and. Uh, sort of conflicts in the neighborhood and all the parties that he had when people came to do poetry. And so it's sort of a mixture <laughs> of daily life and daily conflict. So Wow. So like conflict, do you mean just like general roughhousing in the streets or like warfare kind of conflict? Uh, both. And I mean, it depends on, on what type of diary you're looking at. There's a lot of diaries that are late medieval. Um, the Onin War is from 1467 to uh, 1477. And so if you're looking at diaries that are immediately after that, even uh, during it and after it, people are writing about military conflicts in the street as you have, you know, warrior factions and also locals who are, you know, coming to head. They're having battles. They're, things are getting set on fire. And for, you know, the, you know, 100 years after that, you're still seeing the ramifications of it. And you're still seeing people fortifying their local neighborhoods to protect each other and coming together as communities against violence and against uh, unwarranted taxation and that kind of thing. So that's uh, one of the sources you can look at these kind of conflicts for. Wow, that sounds really cool. Yeah, I'm does. sure it wasn't cool to live through, but it's, no, I'm sure it's very <laughs> cool to read about. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily fun to go through the process of figuring out how to read it, but it is fun to read about, and you feel pretty good about yourself when you've figured something out. and. Uh, you kind of get a more of a feel for it. Right. So are, are you are you team Katsumoto or are you team Sozen? <laughs> Don't make me choose. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why people have conflict. But uh, to be fair, I, I study uh, artisans uh, more than I study warriors and courtiers. I look at networks. So it's a combination of all of them, but I feel very attached to the non-agrarian commoners who don't really get their say in many of these documents. Yeah, I'm sure they're much more relatable than the oppressors. <laughs> Back on the uh, the BA track, maybe I don't know how how we got here. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to go back step by step, and I have no idea. So I'm just gonna pull it right back to bachelor's in arts for for Japanese. Oh right, because you're interested in these things, and then you decided this. And so, what made you decide to get your PhD? Um, I really enjoy teaching, and as an undergrad, I got the chance to be a tutor in the Japanese language and also be a TA for a history course uh, on Japan. And I didn't really see myself going out into, you know, business or politics. So I ended up saying, well, you know, I'm not really sure. I kind of like the idea of teaching, but I don't want to go to Japan to teach English. I really want to learn more actually about the medieval because it's one of these areas there aren't a lot of scholars in, uh, in Japanese history, at least not on a history track. There are many, many people on medieval literature and medieval Buddhism, uh, and there are a, a fair number in, in medieval history, but not compared, and not when you compare it to early modern or classical, uh, partly because the sources are so difficult to deal with and, uh, and to read. So I thought, yeah, I, I really want to know more about this thing that, you know, nobody really was a specialist at the time to teach me in, and so I thought, I'll keep going at this, and I kept going and kept going, and after the MA, I thought, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do the PhD too, and before I knew it, I'm you know, hopefully becoming one of the next specialists in the field. Oh, so what, what is next then? So you finish your PhD and 
you become a specialist, what do you what do you do from there? Well, I, I am hoping to land a tenure track position, fingers crossed. I'm on the job market in the fall and should be finishing my dissertation in the spring. So the academic track is the track that I'm going on, although I would do keep all of my options open, right? Cool. What, uh, any, any schools in particular that you're most interested in? Uh, nobody really has the luxury of thinking in those terms. Well, what, what, if, what if you did, though? I'm just curious. Like, because whatever you think is, like, the one of the best schools, I think, is probably what other people will find to be a really good school if they're interested in, in learning about these kind of things from an earlier point. There's different tracks, too, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the question when people ask about continuing on in academia is typically not what school do you want to go to or what area of the country do you want to end up at because those things are in the air. They ask more along the lines of are you targeting a R1 research oriented institution or are you targeting a small liberal arts college because those end up being not two mutually exclusive tracks but you, you some people don't want to end up at a really enormous school and mm -hmm. they want to focus more on teaching and language acquisition which they might be able to do more of at a small liberal arts college versus people who want to do a really heavy research-oriented track, and therefore they would aim for an R1 where there's a lot more funding in the budget for that kind of uh, pursuit. So at this point, I'm leaving the door open for anything that comes along because who knows you know, what the market will look like when the fall jobs start coming out. Uh, but I do want to continue research, and I do want to continue teaching. So who knows? Maybe there will be an R2 in the future. I'm, cool. I'm curious because I I'm, I'm, don't know that much about this whole world, uh, but why would a, a larger school not be as good for, for language acquisition? I'm not saying that it wouldn't be as good for it, but if you were to go to a small liberal arts college as a specialist and say, for example, you, I didn't end up in a history department, I ended up in an Asian languages and cultures department, then I might find myself at a small school also having responsibilities to teach Japanese language. Whereas if I were at a very large institution in a history department, it's much less likely that that would be my purview. You would have language teachers uh, embedded in other departments that would be responsible for that. You know, at the same time, I could end up at a history department in a small school and also still not be responsible for language, but it really depends on what type of department you are you know, aiming for, you end up in, and what their uh, expected responsibilities are for you as a professor. Okay, so mm -hmm. if you're at a smaller school, they're... they're probably will be more opportunity to teach language to teach yeah. language okay so once you get to the point where where you're at um is there another track besides the the tenure track like it getting out in into uh the private sector or, or what what other kinds of options are there for people who have japanese studies degrees at various levels uh well the various levels i think is a good sort of way of breaking that down, right? Because, I mean, I know people who stopped at the BA and have gone on to do fantastic things in the private or nonprofit sectors. Um, I know people who are program directors at nonprofits in DC who help manage uh, fellowships for people uh, connected to Japan who do arts and sciences. Um, I know people who work in international education, who do positions as intercultural coordinators and interpreters for companies that are relocating Japanese families to the U.S., and so they kind of serve as a go-between to help set up their daily lives. Uh, and these are things that, you know, people stop at the BA and they're able to do it. They stop at the MA and they're able to do it. Um, the PhD, you could also, you know, go back and do some of these jobs as well. You could 
I mean, I could do skills that I have in digital humanities and think about working in academic librarianship if I still wanted to stay in academia. Or, you know, there are other ways that I can be involved as program directors at, you know, uh, organizations like the Japan Foundation, for example, or, you know, any number of places that manage fellowships and workshops and conferences. Uh, there's a lot of options that branch off into different directions depending on what you're interested in. I mean, I could also just drop everything today and say, hey, I want to pick up a, you know, master's degree in interpretation and international business or whatever, you know, and I could still have the skills to launch myself in a totally different direction in a different circle. Sounds like you, you have a, a lot of options then. <laughs> a terrifying amount of options that would all take time and research. <laughs> right. And every situation is different. Of course. So I guess speaking of options, so we, we kind of talked about Shinpai Desho for uh, like when you first started. And then what is, uh, what is Shinpai Desho now and how uh, Shinpai Desho with long O, so O-U at the end, and we'll put it in the description.wordpress.com. Uh, someone goes there, then uh, what are they going to find there and uh, how is it going to help them? Well, uh, the blog compiles resources and advice and practical guides to pursuing not only Japanese studies in an academic sense, but also Japanese language-related professions and different types of jobs. So we not only compile sort of guest pieces and pieces by myself about various things from, you know, do I want to go to grad school? Do I not want to go to grad school? Or how do I find a Japanese apartment? And what is that going to look like on paper? Or, you know, people who have recommendations about breaking into the translation business or using consultant firms. Uh, or I also have things like uh, a list of all of the uh, Japan societies in America and a list of all of the art galleries that have, you know, major Japanese collections that people can go look at. And there's also job site listings that, you know, for people who are interested in nonprofits or private sector, for people who want bilingual jobs in America, in Japan, there's just, or fellowships uh, for academics at all different stages, you know, what, what's out there, what can you apply for. I think that it's going to continue to grow uh, with all of these different areas and all of these different things, but uh, growth, you know, isn't going to be maybe as quick as it was when I first started it out, seeing as I'm, you know, launching into a critical period of uh, my own career. So I, I feel very guilty about how some things have fallen to the wayside in the process because I am only one person <laughs> with occasional help from a couple of friends who also put postings up for me, but the majority of the management goes through me and it's, you know, not a full-time job, and it's not a paid job. It's a hobby. So it can kind of fall to the wayside sometimes, but uh, I hope that it will continue and that the blog will continue to grow with my experience and the experiences of other people who volunteer to write for me, which I am constantly begging for. So, so what you're saying is you're looking for volunteers. and I am always if looking. If you're listening to this and you want to volunteer. <laughs> yeah. Everybody you know where to go. go check it out and volunteer. Especially tapping the IUC alumni networks and saying, oh, it's because, you know, IUC students are from all walks of life and they do all kinds of things with their careers. And we actually ran a series uh, a year or two ago. Um, I believe it was the 51020 series where we I asked a bunch of IUC alum. Uh, I said, hey, well, you know, what have you done 5, 10, 20 years out of your Japanese studies degree or Japanese language training? Where has it taken you? Will you write us an article about it? And we had some really great responses from people. But uh, I'm always looking for volunteers. And I also, you know, tell companies if they contact me, you know, if they say, hey, can I advertise on your site? I say, well, not directly, no. 
But if someone who works for you wants to write an article that is a help article that says, you know, what your business does and frames it in advice for people who are going into a specific specific field or who might want to use what you're doing and you can actually dig into the practical aspects of this so that readers will get a sense of it and it's not just straight up advertising then yes I will feature what you have but you have to write me an article about it and why it's helpful or useful for someone who has this specific skill set and we've gotten some responses which has been good but I always welcome more so if you're a company that's listening to this, <laughs> you know where to where to go and what to do. Because yes. companies are people too. <laughs> yes, they are in America. In America, um, I, I wonder uh, what's what's your advice uh, for students when they're in Japanese studies. Um, if they could choose a school, uh, what schools would you recommend? You know, if if they could wave a magic wand and like just go to whatever school they could for Japanese studies, what would be your recommendation? Well, my recommendation would first be don't follow a school's name. I grew up my whole life hearing that only Ivy Leagues were the best, and they are wonderful schools. I will be the first person to say I respect everything about them, but I was always told that's the name, that's the place you have to go, that's where you have to get your degree, and nothing else will do, and especially that I would never go further in the academic track if I didn't get a degree from one of these top schools. But I also knew that a small school was where I wanted to go, which is, of course, the antithesis of what I just told you. So I would say, first and foremost, look into a program at a school that is right for you. I had a friend who was at a very large institution when she took Japanese, and she absolutely hated it. She said, I'm in a class of 80 people, and I don't get one-on-one -on -one time, and I don't like it. And it's, For some people, that learning environment is fantastic, and for others, it isn't. And I knew for me, it wasn't the right environment. I enjoyed small classes, I wanted one-on-one -on -one attention, and I liked the tiny school that I ended up at. So I would say first pick a school that's comfortable for you and that has the environment and the personality that suits you, and then see is the Japanese studies program up to snuff for what you want to do. And that would be my sort of first step advice for, for someone thinking about going into Japanese studies is not to recommend a school, but to recommend a suitable school for their personality and their needs and their budget and what they want to continue to do afterwards if that's already something they have in mind. Hey everybody, sorry for interrupting your show. Sorry, not sorry. Not sorry. Uh, if you're upset about it, please tweet at Abe Shinzo mm -hmm. on Twitter. And let him know. Let him know. Um, we just want to let you know about Wani Kani, which is our Japanese kanji and vocabulary learning application. Mm -hmm. uh, it's spelled Wani, W-A-N-I. Kani. K-A-N-I. And that's a, that's a, that's a alligator crab is what that means. Mm -hmm. It's our crabigator. Our baby, baby crabigator. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're learning Japanese right now, if you're getting your Bachelor, bachelor in, of Arts, Bachelor of Arts mm -hmm. in Japanese, uh, chances are you're taking Japanese language lessons. And chances are you have to learn kanji in those lessons. Mm -hmm. And most likely, and you know, I'm not saying this for everybody, but most likely your Japanese teacher is just kind of skimming over kanji. They don't know how to teach it. Mm -hmm. Not their fault, because no one's really figured out a good way to teach kanji. Mm -hmm. And they think, oh, maybe if I teach it like, like little Japanese kids learn it, then they'll learn. And that's like basically making you, like they're like, okay, learn these 20 kanji this week, write it a bunch of times, 
and rote memorize it and hopefully you'll remember it two weeks later but you won't yeah but japanese kids they have lots of time ahead of mm-hmm. them they see kanji they, a lot before they die and they spend well they spend a lot of years they're spending like yeah. eight years learning all this kanji mm-hmm. and so if a japanese kid is going to take eight years to learn all this kanji do how long do you think it would years? take you yeah uh, with uh, Wani Kani, we use mnemonics, we use SRS, we use other sciencey things that mm-hmm. actually make learning a little bit more painful, but they make it a lot better. Yeah. So that you can learn, you could learn that amount of kanji that takes Japanese kids eight years, you can learn it in about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. But a you don't just learn the kanji, people. though. You also learn mm-hmm. vocabulary. Yeah, about 6,000 vocabulary. 6,000. And about 2,000 kanji. Yeah. Um, it'll probably take you more than a year and a half, if we're all being honest here. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years is a pretty, like, average time, I think, on Wanikani. Yeah. For people who are going at a decent pace. But uh, even if it's three years, which I guess would be, quote, unquote, slow compared to... Yeah, Wanikani, it's kind of slow. Yeah, but it's better than eight. Way better. It's mm-hmm. still five years faster than eight. When you look at uh, non-Japanese people learning kanji as well, mm-hmm. they they might spend 10 years doing the same thing, or mm-hmm. maybe even more than that. They yeah. usually just quit. Wanikani is really good about helping you to not quit, actually. Right, yeah. yeah. And when I first started learning Japanese, that's what... All my Japanese learning senpai told me is like, oh, it'll take 12 years yeah. to learn kanji. I was like, cool, I'll put that off for a little bit. And we've been talking to people who use Wani Kani in school, mm-hmm. like you, or maybe not like you. And we were talking to these people how they're using it in conjunction with their class and how ever since they started u- using Wani Kani, kanji has been the easiest thing about their class. And they could mm-hmm. focus on other things as well. Um, and then <laughs> I even talked to one person who was talking about how they their teacher confronted them because the teacher thought that they were cheating at their kanji tests because they suddenly got so good at kanji. Wow. Um, and so that's, that's the kind of awkwardness you can look forward to if you do wani kani. You'll mm-hmm. be accused of being a cheater. Yes. Um, the teachers don't like the knowledge. Yep, yep. No, I mean, they'll probably like the knowledge, but they won't know how you got it because it's magical. Yeah. And I want to talk to enough people where I can kind of, like, figure out, like, how much better people do in general, but... I haven't done that yet, so I can't like say something like that. But the people I've talked to, they they say it's it's helped them so much. Kanji's become the easiest thing. It used to be the hardest thing. It's become the easiest thing, and uh, it's uh, it works really great in a classroom. If you're not in a classroom, it also works really great as well because that's what it was originally intended for, like yeah. out of classroom study mm-hmm. for yourself. And it's fun. Can I say that? I think it is. Eh, it's all right. I like it. I don't know. Is it? It's it's not excruciatingly painful yeah like most methods mm-hmm. i don't know if i'd say it's fun though okay it's slightly addictive though yeah okay that's, that's that's true can be confused with fun mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> like like, like, heroin, crack cocaine. like <laughs> heroin. this is so much fun yeah yeah people might not yeah i don't know it's it's yeah you guys should stop doing heroin though, you should you stop are. doing heroin start Not doing so wani kani mm-hmm. you'll be set yep all right back to the show well, I thought it would be fun to, to play a little game. Um, it's not really a game. <laughs> it's more like playing with people's lives, uh, which is kind of a game. So mm-hmm. I thought we could play the game of uh, giving, giving advice or giving ad- ideas to people who uh, just finished their BA in Japanese studies. And I think that's a lot of our listeners have either done that and they're working at their local convenience store or Barnes & Noble or whatever, and they could really use this advice. Um, and just, uh, I was thinking something like we can do many different, many different ideas and like just getting people out of the the mindsets that they have where a lot of people, they, they graduate, uh, with their BA and the only thing they can think of is, okay, I'm gonna go teach English in Japan. 
Um, it's just very, very narrow. But you, you know a lot of different options that are out there that, that we don't know. And I thought maybe together we could, we could collaborate and, and figure out some options for these people. Does that, does that sound, I was going to say fun, but I don't know if that sounds fun. <laughs> does it sound I, I like a thing? Like <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my name's, my name's Timmy, and I graduated with a BA in, in Japanese studies from uh, Wisconsin University. Is that a, is that a university? Uh, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure Wisconsin <laughs> sure has a is. university. You probably just offended somebody. <laughs> probably. Um, and I didn't go into BA in cheese like my parents wanted me to, but I went into Japanese studies. So what, what are some of the options that I have? Uh, I mean, I, of course, I, there is, you, can, you can go teach English in Japan. That's a very valid option. It's a great option for a lot of people. Um, I think I, I, got a, I got a BA in Japanese studies as well. And uh, what, everyone who graduated in my class in Japanese studies, everyone except for me went and taught English in Japan, and they all had a great time, I'm sure. Uh, but, but what else is there for them? And I'll, I'll let you start off, Paula, <laughs> in this fun game. Well, my first question would be, what other skills does Timmy have? I think Timmy spent his time partying. Most of his time, <laughs> I don't know. It's, see, that's that, I guess that that might uh, that that might be the whole thing, right? Like, because we get this question a lot, and it's always like, well, right. we don't know who you are, and you just want general advice, which is exactly what we're trying yeah. to do. Well, let's let's develop Timmy then. Okay, let's. Develop okay, Timmy. so Timmy, Go ahead, Michael. Timmy did You're party. Timmy now. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm Timmy now. Um, his soul has jumped into my body uh, because he needs a new body mm -hmm. every couple hours. But that's not really part of this equation. Uh, so Timmy does party. Make it a lot. hard to get a job, though. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're always jumping bodies. Okay, scratch that part. So Timmy, <laughs> Timmy did party a lot, but um, he's also uh, very good at the language. He's like N three. He's working towards N two. Mm -hmm. And uh, what other skills does Timmy have? That sounds he's, pretty typical. Yeah, pretty good. He sure can swing a hammer. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know if that really helps in this situation. Um, and uh, he's a pretty good writer, too. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah. In English. In English. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got his, his Japanese skills pretty good. He's got his, his English skills pretty good. It's construction skills. Not quite skills. good enough to, like, really do anything, though. Like right. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if Timmy has technical skills in sort of under, or understanding of technical terminology mm -hmm. for something like construction, I would say, well... If he is he serious about going into something like translation and pursuing you know N two N one and then uh, looking into companies the Japanese companies that are in America and what kind of entry level positions uh, or internships they might have to think about what kind of work he can do as either you know a bilingual coordinator or uh, entry level translator for like we mentioned sort of technical translation that's that's an option. Uh, well, one thing that people can do at this sort of early stage is many many companies are looking for entry-level positions that people might not necessarily enjoy doing, but they are mm -hmm. sort of a foot in the door. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot of consulting firms out there that will help you know place you with these types of openings if you put a resume out there that has Japanese skills on it. And if you are thinking of going at a non-academic route, uh, doing certifications like the JLPT are very important to a lot of places. You have to sort of prove your level of language. And I always ask, you know, my professors, well, should I do 
you know, N2 and N1, and I said, well, if you're going on to academia, what's important is going to the IUC. And then if I wanted to move out of academia, I would think about sort of getting the certification, but otherwise it might just be a distraction unless you want to pursue it as a point of, you know, personal pride or wanting to test your own skill level. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the first question I think, as I mentioned before, would be, what are your other skills? What are your other interests? Uh, I know people who are interested in law, for example, who after college uh, leveraged their Japanese uh, skills by working at law firms and being sort of a go-between for Japanese companies that wanted to do uh, work with U.S. firms. That's something that uh, that is an option. I recently heard from an MA, a former MA student from Ohio State where I went for my master's, and he did his master's thesis uh, on contracts and contract law with Japan and now works for a company in DC that does that specific thing. And because he wrote his master's thesis of all things on Japan and contracts, he ended up in that field, uh, working with Japanese companies and American companies uh, working together in DC. So just, you know, you think to yourself, oh, well, I wrote a paper on that. I didn't think that would become my career, but it definitely could because you end up with this kind of specialized knowledge in this one area. So it sounds like it's it's kind of a powerful combination after your your BA in Japanese studies to get an MA in something else like law or or combine your your Japanese expertise with like another degree and then suddenly you're like the Japanese go between for your industry. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I mean, you could easily imagine doing for example a double major if that's if that's your bag in Japanese Oof. studies and like biology. And then all of a sudden you're in this really great position to work with a nonprofit that works in the sciences and is connected to Japan uh, and helps place people in science internships in America, you know, science in laboratories or something like that. So it's kind of unexpected where some of these things that you might consider a hobby or a second major uh, or even, you know, practical skills if you had a part-time job or you volunteered with an organization during your time as even at the level of BA, can really become something entirely new because the connections with Japan are sort of limitless. They don't stop at academia or jet. All right, so so what you're kind of saying is that, like, uh, just going off your point, language itself isn't, I mean, of course it's impressive to learn another language, but once you couple that with something specific or something, I guess, interesting, then suddenly you're, I don't want to say, like, you're a useful person because you're always a useful person. <laughs> and everybody out there is wonderful and useful and and has their place somewhere but if you can if you can get that that specific skill or that like just anything that makes you unique stand out and kind of you can become one of the best at even if it's not a very common thing like if you can do that then suddenly you're in much higher demand at least in that specific field like even if you don't get a master's phd and those things you can have a ba and then another skill somewhere else. As long as you kind of look ahead while you're getting that BA and you don't act like Timmy and just party all the time <laughs> and only get your only get a BA in Japanese and then have no other skills except for swinging a hammer. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Japanese, in and of itself, it can be a specialization, but ultimately it's a tool in your toolkit. Mm -hmm. And you have to bring to it some other direction, right? I mean, even if you, yep. if, you if the language itself is your specialty, then when you want to go into translation, you also have to think about the transformation of language and localization, and you have to think about nuance and cultural specifics about how language works and how people use language and how they convey ideas. 
if you want to go into interpretation, you have to say to yourself, okay, well, uh, maybe it's diplomatic interpretation. You have to think about international connections, about diplomatic connections. You have to think about people and about how to convey things in a very specific way and make them understandable. And you have to work on those secondary skills uh, that are a specialization in diplomacy and in you know, fulfilling this role. And if you were me, you, you know, Japanese, but I have to bring to the table a specialization in history and in academic writing. So it's, it's one thing to know Japanese. It's another to sort of say, okay, well, now that I have this tool in my toolkit, where can I go with it? And what other skills do I have that I can combine it with to make myself competitive, to make myself attractive on the market, to make myself useful in a particular profession and sort of point myself in these other directions. Yeah, I think you, you really hit on an interesting point about making yourself competitive because, you know, that, that's a lot of things that uh, I think a lot of people don't think about in, in college. I certainly didn't think about that. I was like, college, I will go. And then after college, job. It'll all work out. It'll all I work out. I got this BA that, that everybody <laughs> else has now. Yeah. Which, by the way, my BA was in film, which is way less, <laughs> way less helpful than Japanese. So if you have a BA in Japanese studies, you can feel better than someone has a BA in film. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's all, it's all, you know, different orders of concern, right? And another one of the big questions that comes at me is, you know, should I pursue this master's degree or the IUC if I don't have the funding? Because that's the other thing about being competitive, you know, looking for fellowships, looking for ways to, you know, take the next step, whether that's, you know, being on the job market or it's pursuing your academics. And you do have to think in practical terms. And, you know, and this is another piece of advice to, you know, give people when they're hoping for that perfect job where they're going to be so happy using their Japanese. I mean, for the person who says, oh, I really want to become a manga artist or uh, a video game translator. You can't sit around waiting for the perfect job to open up. You're going to have to think practically and strategize to find the job that is going to be the stepping stone to the job that you want. And that's the job you take first. And a lot of people don't like to hear that. And they don't, you know, think in those terms because they just think, oh, well, I have to get to the dream, the dream. And, you know, you have your, at this point, you're building your arsenal to the dream. It's the same as filling out your resume, which ultimately it is. And, and that's part of pursuing Japanese uh, as, a, as a study uh, and as a language and then thinking ahead in those terms. That's the only way that you're going to get there. I don't know. I think my, my study of manga has told me that if I just gambaru enough and collect enough nakama, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> and everything will be okay. Yeah, it's true. So should we do one more, um, one more Timmy? Sure. But not Timmy, a different person besides Timmy. Okay. Okay. So I have one person named Beatrice. There we Are you go. Say Brock. I was gonna say something. Br. I couldn't think of it. But Beatrice <laughs> is good. Mm -hmm. uh, so Beatrice is has a BA in Japan in Japanese studies, mm -hmm. and she hasn't. She's working towards her MA in Japanese studies. She's almost done with her MA, nice. and she has N one. And she knows all kinds of stuff about Japanese language and poetry and literature and Japanese language. She knows so much about Japanese language. So what are her <laughs> options? <laughs> this is so hard. That is a very tough one. But she's very, very good at Japanese. So I'm wondering, like, what is a competitive edge she for Beatrice? She could start right? a Twitter for her haiku. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, you know, someone who's like not just N1, but they're just like way, way good at Japanese. But to get there, they spent a lot of time. Uh, so, you know, they don't know how to swing a hammer and they don't have, they, they haven't sharpened that other skill yet. Maybe they will. Right. But at this point, they're just like, be, they're so far beyond N1. But that's that's like their main tool in their toolkit is how far beyond N1 they are. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a tough one because then I mean, it's always a personal factor, right? Does this person want to stay in America? Do they want to go to Japan? What does the market look like? I can't speak to what the market would look like, for example, at a publishing company in Japan or in America that has ties to Japan. You know, maybe they want to you know, work as some kind of liaison for translation projects if their Japanese is really that spectacular. You know, maybe they would be good in sort of the business side of that kind of industry to bring uh, their skills in literature and in Japanese language to the table. But, you know, I can't speak to where the jobs are in Japan, right? Mm -hmm. like, what is the likelihood of someone getting that job? I couldn't speak to it. I can say they're highly qualified to serve in that capacity. Mm -hmm. But it's very difficult also without knowing, like, hey, can this person you know, afford to be looking for a job like this for a really long time? Or can they afford to move to Japan? Do they want to live there? Do they want to live in the United States? There's all these other factors that are really up in the air uh, based on people's desires to do these things, but also their economic means. Uh, okay. But yeah, that's, it's very tough. But with a, with a skill set and language that high, I feel like there would be a lot of positions open that maybe wouldn't be open to someone who's sort of hovering around N2, not really sure if they can, can do certain types of work. I feel like in this case, Beatrice might have more self-confidence in the types of doors that would open to her with those skills. But what the job market looks like or the specific field, I couldn't speak to. Mm -hmm. oh, what, what, kind of, uh, what kind of places would you tell her to look, though? Uh, I would say go to my blog. <laughs> we actually had, I think, a seven or eight part series of lists of job sites that are both in the States, uh, if you're bilingual and in Japan, where all these, you know, just totally different types of jobs go up. Uh, and some of them are, many of them are non-academic. Some of, there is one site I think that's uh, academic specific, but there are tons and tons of job sites out there. And I think that in many cases for people, half the battle is really knowing where to start. And that's part of the reason why I put the blog up in the first place, because mm -hmm. there was no convenient sort of one-stop shop. And not to say that my place is, uh, but there wasn't really a, anywhere that compiled many of these resources into one spot for people to go to. So I would say, you know, start looking through these sites and start flagging things and seeing what's available and also asking people. I think that's sort of the... Uh, understated option in a lot of cases is networking is so ridiculously important. I mean, in any profession, yes, but in Japanese studies and Japanese fields, especially, you know, talking to networks of friends who work for Japanese companies, are there places that are looking for openings? Uh, talking to Japan societies and local cultural centers, talking to nonprofits in major city centers. At its core, Japan will always be a place that is powered by social connections. And the job market in relation to Japan, I think, is, is quite the same. Yeah. We've had a few people write uh, articles for Tofugu recently, or, or we had someone also on the, on the podcast talking about jobs in Japan, and, and networking is, is a really big part of it. So someone like a, like a Beatrice, who's uh, Japanese is super great, uh, probably could get over to Japan and just through networking 
eventually yeah. find a job, you know, not land on, mm-hmm. like jump off the plane and get a job, but you know, within, within a year or two, certainly. Yeah. And I just want to point out that on, uh, on Paula's website, uh, in the sidebar, there's categories and they're very nicely laid out. Um, so you can find basically whatever it is you're looking for, like specifically, even like job openings, there's a category, uh, there's a category for even financial assistance. So whatever you need, it's, it's probably there. So you don't have to just read from beginning to end or anything like that. You can go find it there in the sidebar. And I will say that I have had criticism leveled at the blog in the past for being too academic oriented and not posting enough of these more technical positions, uh, being too focused on education. And, you know, my response to that is, is one, I'm only one person <laughs> and I, and I am an academic. And so these are the jobs that come across my desk. Uh, and then if you want to see more of these jobs, you know, find them and send them to me because I will put them up in a, in a heartbeat. Uh, but, you know, I don't have time to be fishing for them since this is, you know, a side project and a labor of love. But uh, many of these technical positions appear all the time, constantly, in so many of the links that we've posted in the job sites section. So people can keep up with these very, very easily and very quickly all on their own uh, and, you know, the options are there. Mm-hmm. And shame on those people for complaining about yeah. all these free things and nice things you're doing for them. Yeah. <laughs> you do, yeah, they do. What do you owe them after all <laughs> the free things you've given them? <laughs> yeah. If anything, they owe you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would accept, I would accept, you know, guest articles. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You can, so you can go to shimpai-yo.wordpress.com. We'll put the URL in the description and, um, you can go there and, and submit your, your guest posts. Mm-hmm. Or, or send Paula some of those non-academic links that Absolutely. you feel she needs. Why don't mm-hmm. you help her out, guys? Stop complaining. Yeah, geez. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, Paula, for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, is, there, is there anything else you want to you wanna tell our listeners uh, before we sign off? Uh, my sage advice would just be to... Be open and be open to what your skills can do and what you can combine with your skills. I think that by and large the path people that end up on with Japanese skills is seldom the one they set out on. So there's always an option out there and there's always someone willing to help you. So seek out help actively and openly and you know, be ready to go in a totally different direction if that's where it takes you. Mm-hmm. Cheers to that. Cheers. And we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, thank you so much, Paula. Thank you, Paula. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, That was Paula. Everyone give her a big round of applause. She can hear it. She can feel it through the universe. Mm -hmm. Just do it right there. Mm -hmm. Um, We have some action items for you this week. Go ahead, Michael. Start (laughs) start it off. (laughs) The first thing is to make a life map. Like, start when you're a baby, draw yourself as a baby, and then draw yourself <laughs> at first grade, second grade, all the way up to where you are now. Uh-huh. And then, where does that road go? You don't know, but you can write it. Life is a journey. And don't, all, don't just make it a straight line. Just because you have a BA in Japanese studies doesn't mean you got to stay there. You can go wherever you want. So do that. Do that little exercise for me. Yeah, and when you finish the first 26 action steps, <laughs> then then uh, move on to action step number 27 <laughs> for us, uh, which is to uh, to rate and review. It really does help us out right. uh, on iTunes. Um, just look for Tofugu on iTunes. 
find us, leave a review. Like this review by March 28th, Mer 86 Lack Lad, who says, Phenomenal podcast, Daisuke. Is that it? Yeah. Uh, no, no, that's the title. Okay. And then they say, the podcast is funny, informative, and overall a great listen. My favorite by far is the five hidden gems, prefectures. Mm-hmm. Always love listening to recommended places that are not too touristic. It sounds like cool it sounds like a place where people don't have Tourette's too much. <laughs> and I, I, I just, I said I shouldn't say anything about Tourette's because it is a very serious condition. Yes. And uh, I'm sorry. Uh, and I also like how Koichi and Michael go off topic sometimes. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I like somebody going likes off. it. <laughs> yeah, the last one of the other reviews we read, they did not they like did it. They did not like it at no. all. So, uh, but I do. So we're, it's not going to stop. Maybe let us know on Twitter for your uh, 28th action item. Mm-hmm. Just let us know on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Tofugu. Uh, let us know if you'd like it when we go off topic or if you would rather we stay on topic mm-hmm. and also uh, add Abe Shinzo, at Abe Shinzo mm-hmm. on there as well, because he'd also like to know, and he'd also like to be on this podcast, but only if enough people tweet at him. Yeah. Uh, leave the hashtag. Hashtag off topic, on topic. Okay. Jamal, you can cut out that space where I couldn't think of a hashtag. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but don't don't cut out this request. <laughs> leave that in. <laughs> but cut out that space. <laughs> Um, yeah, thanks so much for listening to the show, and I hope it helps some of you uh, who are in this situation because we do get this email a lot, and mm-hmm. um, we're, we want to help you out. Yeah, uh, if we didn't cover what you wanted to know, or we didn't fi- like figure out your situation, then please, please email Paula. Yes, yes, <laughs> she, she knows. And I wasn't really kidding about that life drawing thing. Yeah, I mean, I maybe sounded like I was. Oh, being that's good. Yeah, that's kind of what we went over too. In yeah, the thing, right? I think it's important to like you, you got to think about it. Yeah, really, like, really think about where you want to go. Well, I think people get their BA in Japanese studies and then they're like, "Oh, now what? Mm-hmm. I, I got it, and I didn't yeah. think about other things I could have done at the same time." Yeah. So if you haven't started yet your your BA or you're in the process of getting it, then uh, then you know now's a good time to start thinking about that. Mm-hmm. If you've already gotten it, then well, it's better late than never. Yeah. It's always a good time, so do it now. Yep. Don't do it tomorrow. Isn't that right, Jamal? That's right. Hi, Jamal. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for listening <laughs> to the <laughs> show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bye. 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 Bye.